Hey friends, welcome to the Mosaic Podcast. I'm Shannon Leibold, and I'm here with my co-host Lynn Martin, and we're so glad you've joined us. This is a podcast for the women of Wallenstein Bible Chapel and beyond. It's a space where we celebrate how God is turning brokenness into beauty. Each week, we chat with a guest and share stories from our own lives. As Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's masterpiece, His work of art, and He's shaping us into something beautiful in Christ. Welcome to episode 39 of the Mosaic Podcast. I'm your co-host, Lynn. And I'm Shannon. And once again, we are just so thrilled that you have joined us today. Uh, If you're just tuning in for the very first time, we um, are just thrilled to have you join us. We are the Mosaic Podcast, uh, which stands for Meeting One Another in Story, in Art, and in Christ. And, and so that's what we plan to do today again, and, and so, so welcome. So before we just dig in, um, I'll tell you a little bit about what's happening today. We are on the second week of the book that we are just sort of diving into called 12 Faithful Women, Portraits of Steadfast Endurance. This is a really fun, easy book to read just to get a um, little snapshot of stories of women who have gone on before us and lived faithful lives. So um, we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. We're also today going to be joined by our guest, Lisa Penner, and we're just excited to hear from her and how God's been working in her life. And then again, we will have our art piece and our um, Bible lesson time where we talk some more about faithfulness and and steadfast endurance. So um, before we dig into the book, Shannon, this uh, time here for this series, we've been sort of showcasing um, podcasts that we've enjoyed. So we've talked about one each already. What's another one that you love? Mm. So the one I chose to mention today is called Susie Larson Live, and it's actually a radio show on uh, Faith Radio, I think, but it's turned into a podcast, and the host is Susie Larson, and if you've never heard of her or haven't read any of her books... Then you haven't listened to our podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yes, that's true, (laughs) because we've done one of her books. She is just such an amazing woman of faith. She has navigated and continues to navigate several health challenges. And I just find her words um, inspire faith and courage in me. I'm currently going through one of her devotional books called Prevail, and it's just been, it's been so life-giving for me. So her pod, her podcast is is the same, and she interviews different guests and talks about all sorts of different things. But um Yeah, just a lot about faith and courage. Yeah, I can definitely testify to all that too. I'm slowly going through her Prevail devotional book and I'm not a big devotional book person. I'm not really either. And this book is something else. So if you are looking for one, this is a great book to, to navigate. We talk about a lot about books on this podcast, <laughs> Me too. but that's, that's okay. That's who we are. And it actually, it dovetails beautifully into the podcast I want to showcase today, which is called the Literary Life Podcast. I have talked about it on the show here before, but this podcast for me has been life-changing in so many ways. It's a group of three 
people and they they just discuss stories and and they navigate they they talk about specifically books they they go through and um literature books so if you're looking for going deeper into um you know just some of the classic of literature then um this is a really great podcast to listen to they they come at it from a christian lens and um really really powerful so yeah so those are two more podcasts if you're looking for some podcasts to do we we're, we're basically just inundating you with information <laughs> and hoping that some of it just um just strikes a chord and, and strikes you to want to learn more mm-hmm. so with that in mind let's dig into this book 12 faithful women the last three women, or I should say the first three women that we covered, were um, three women that I was not really familiar with. Um, Helen Rosevere, Esther Ann Kim, and Sarah Edwards. Really fascinating women. And the next three that we're going to do, I have actually heard of or even read some of all of them except for the last one who I had not really heard about what about so I'll tell you who they are Elizabeth Elliot Corey Ten Boom and Phyllis Wheatley so before we get into them individually did you know them before Shannon I would say the same as you I know the knew the first two but then Phyllis Wheatley was less familiar to me okay I had heard the name before but didn't yeah. know why yeah I feel like that's where I was at yeah so Elizabeth Elliot I think her name should be will be familiar to most, uh, the wife of Jim Elliott, and then, of course, um, the terrible circumstance where they were missionaries in Ecuador, and and her, is Ecuador right? I just said that, and now I think it's wrong. No, that's right. Okay. <laughs> you know when you do that, you're just like, wait a minute, that's not correct. Okay, um, yes, and, and Jim, as well as four other men were brutally killed and um and just yeah so the life of Elizabeth Elliot has been one of loss the the subtitle of this chapter is steadfast in loss and she went on to marry again twice actually because she lost then her second husband as well um if you look at her life as a biography just on, on paper it looks like it's been a very very hard life and yet this is the woman who um, many of us look up to, and um, she's written some really, really great books as well. So what what stands out to you, Shannon, about her? Well, a couple things. First, um, she grew up in a home where there were daily rhythms of Bible reading and prayer and hymn singing, so she was really well steeped in the scriptures but then she says when she was 14 she encountered the writings of amy carmichael who was mm. an irish missionary to india and i've re- read amy carmichael's biography and it just reminds me that um we can be influenced by those who have gone before us mm-hmm. and who have written down their stories and made them available to us and that really it kind of forged the trajectory of elizabeth's life um, in beautiful ways. She wanted to be a missionary like Amy Carmichael. So I thought that was really cool. It is really cool. And there's so much about her. Um, 
it actually says here in the book that um, she was wholly dependent on God, but she was basically an obscure, unassuming woman. No one knew who she was when her husband was killed. And and she went on to just quietly um, do her thing, which involved, she, she actually, this blows my mind that she continued to work with the, the group, the tribe that... Um, had killed her husband. I know. Like, I can't, I cannot even begin to imagine that. She did not allow herself to just wallow. She had only been married for three years. And had a, a baby. And had a baby and brought, and it's one thing to do it yourself, but to bring your child into that environment, I, I just cannot fathom that. And, yeah, the, the faith, not just of her, but, but all of the women who lost their husbands that day, they, like, their testimony is just profound. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that is noted about all five of them, when, when they heard the news that they had been killed, um, they were in constant prayer that the Lord would direct their future movements, and they were unwilling to make any decisions or take any steps until they were sure that such would be in conformity with the will of God. Mm. That just, oh, it... I can't imagine going back into the same tribe, working with the same people, like actually looking into the faces of the men who had killed her husband. And she says later in this chapter, like they, you know, that event changed her life forever. And yet for them, for the murderers, it almost wasn't even a second thought. It was like, it had very little, they hardly remembered that it had happened. Yeah. And, And to be able to forgive that, I just think... You know, I just know in my own humanness, I would feel like, okay, maybe I could get to a place where I could go back and, and see these people, but I want to see some remorse. <laughs> I wanna, well, do you know what I mean? Like, and even to forgive them is one thing, but to actually go back and serve and love them in practical yeah. ways, that's a whole nother level. It of- is. And that's why her life is such a testimony to us, because it is so sincere and so... Um, yeah, she based her whole life on we've got to teach believers. Mm-hmm. We just need to do that. And that was that was her goal. And you said, Lynn, that she was, you know, an obscure woman. Nobody really knew who she was when her husband passed away. But her influence through the years was really birthed out of that kind of intimacy with God. And I love that. There's a quote here in the book that describes um, her. Listen to this. Elizabeth Elliot's response to her husband's murder was not calculated to suit an audience. It was not filtered to meet anyone's expectations. It was the response of a woman wholly dependent on God. And it was this obscure and unassuming woman living in the jungle of Ecuador on whom God would shine a spotlight for all the world to see. Mm-hmm. And and it just never wavered. Like, I don't know of a time that it wavered. When her, when her second husband died, um, she spoke of that loss and just said that God's ways are mysterious and our faith develops strong muscles as we negotiate the twists and turns of our lives. What what an amazing, amazing life this woman led. And, and she has gone on. She has written so many books. Um, so we can hear from her still today. And we'll put some of the links to some of those books. Like you had mentioned the, the book, that the biography she wrote of Amy Carmichael, which is excellent. It's almost like 
the testimony of two women in that book when you read it because yes. she's talking about Amy, but her own life shines through too. Yeah. And she's like, she just died in 2015. So yeah, she's, she's a contemporary. Yeah. And her daughter has gone on to write some books of, like a, about her and, and yeah, it's just a lovely story and yet a very hard story. So then we'll move on. The next woman uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sure we have all heard of too, Corrie Ten Boom. She was born in Holland in 1892, and then um, she is most known for her book, The Hiding Place, where she writes in a fair bit of detail about their time during World War II, where they first housed several Jews in their home, and then were eventually caught and imprisoned and ended up in um, Ravensbrück, which was a concentration camp, and her father died, her brother died, I believe, and also her sister Betsy died. And and so she came out of that and um, without bitterness, but, but came out with a story to tell, and she went on to tell it. Mm-hmm. And I always, I, I think I always imagined her as a much younger woman, but when they began hiding hiding the Jews. She was 50 years old. Yeah, I noted that too. That was really fascinating. Um, just this woman who, who was just faithfully serving God as a watchmaker with her father and living in her home with her sister and, and then how God used them. And they just always, their their life was about wanting to serve God. Mm-hmm. Um, while she was in the concentration camp, a nurse or a doctor examined her and a nurse gave her, asked her what she wanted, whispered to her, and she said a Bible. And so that Bible became her most treasured possession. And, and you know, they they would read the scriptures at night with all the women who were in this room. Yeah. And it just must have been such a light in a dark, dark place. And yet I think the part... I, I've read The Hiding Place. Have you read it? A long time ago, long. but yeah. Um, and much of actually the um, story here in this chapter is drawn from that book. So if you want to go deeper, that is the book to read. But um, she tells the story in there. First, she's so honest in her writing because she's she doesn't make it sound like, I'm so great and look what I did. And she doesn't do any... And not that people do that, but she... She talks about how hard it was. And even, you know, when they went into the, they were first put in the concentration camp and her sister, Betsy, was saying, we need to be thankful in all things. And that means we need to be thankful even for these fleas. And and Corey was like, what are you talking about? I'm not going to be thankful for the fleas. And then, of course, the beautiful story that it was because of the fleas that they had so much freedom in that room because none of the prison guards would go in because they were terrified of the fleas so Mm -hmm. they were able to speak christ clearly and boldly as a result so even the fleas were caused to be thankful Mm -hmm. and then Corey went on to spend the rest of her life you know speaking about the love and light of christ in the darkest places and so she had a real ministry after very much released And again, her honesty, the the story that is shared of how when she was speaking at one place, um, a man got up to speak to her and she recognized him right away as one of the guards who had been one of the cruelest guards in Robinsbrook. And 
she knew him. He did not know her, but he rec- he knew that he had obviously been a prison guard, and he acknowledged that, and he he went came up to her and said, I just need to hear you say that you forgive me because I know that I was, did cruel things. And in that moment, she couldn't do it, but she asked God to help her, mm-hmm. and so she took his hand, and as she took his hand, that's when she she felt the forgiveness. So she acted in obedience and then God filled her with love and, and the forgiveness that she, she needed. Mm. It's a beautiful story and um, we are not doing justice to it at all. None of these lives are we doing justice to in this short, yeah. short piece, but, but what a testimony each one of them are. So we have one lady left for today and this is the one neither of us had heard of really. Her name is Phyllis Wheatley, and she was uh, a slave. She was captured in Africa and brought to this American soil. Um, I say our, even though we're Canadian, it's the same continent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, um, and she, at the age, like a very young age, seven, I think, she was Mm -hmm. brought over. Yep. And, um... But she was an amazingly intelligent young girl. At the age of nine, she was reading English with fluency and ease from the most difficult portions of the Bible. By 10, she had mastered Greek and Latin and um, read things like Virgil. And I I just can't, I cannot imagine. Um, Anyway, very smart lady. She went on to write poetry and um, very strong Christian Christian woman. She was the first African-American and first colonial slave to actually publish a book of poems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was actually quite horrified at the beginning of this account um, at what happened in, in 1721. Um, It says that this man struck up a business deal that would change the course of life for hundreds of African children. And this is, this is how Phyllis came to American soil. He, the deal was that they would capture 500 small slaves, male and female from six to 10 years old to be delivered annually to foreign shores annually. And so that's how these slaves came across Mm -hmm. in, you know, the bottom of ships. Some of them died as they traveled, but young, young children. And then they would come and be sold to Americans who would, who would have them as their servants. And I just, I mean, I, I knew things like that happened, but it just, it's heartbreaking. Well, and sometimes when we know something so well, cause it's part of our, you know, we've, we've seen the movies, we've whatever, um, it becomes a little bit callous and cold to us because mm-hmm. we can't actually handle it like the truth of it, but you're right. This is horrific. And, um, it's nothing short of that. It's absolutely horrific to have to somehow convince yourself that it's okay to treat children or anyone like this, um, as less than human is, um, and you know, someday we, there will be a reckoning for this. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing, too, how God took her, a young child of seven years old, from that place, like the lowest of the low, and raised her up, gave her, you know, gifted her with intelligence beyond 
her years and gifted her with the ability to write and then influence many, many people with the light of Christ. Um, I think it's beautiful. It's a beautiful story. It is a beautiful story. Um, but again, not to gloss over it because I think, I think the danger we have in reading some of these stories is we glamorize them into these are wonderful stories and look what God has done in their lives. And that is all so true. But it doesn't mean that it's easy. And so wherever we are personally in our lives, if things don't seem to be going really well or if we don't see immediate um, results for where we're serving, it doesn't mean that God's not right with us and, and serving and loving us mm-hmm. right through it. Because in in the case of Phyllis, um, she did become a free woman eventually, but but didn't actually go on to live a life of prosperity by any means. But but that didn't change her faith in God, and it didn't change God's faithfulness to her. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to note that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So those are our ladies for this week. Uh, we're going to hear shortly from a real live person, Lisa, as well. Um, and next time we will cover three more women. Well, we are joined today by Lisa Penner. We are so happy to have you with us, Lisa. Lisa, you have the joy of being friends with my daughter. So you have been in our family home and seen us warts and all, I think. (laughs) At least you've seen me in my pajamas, so not very many people get that joy. And peach cobbler. And peach cobbler. And yeah, all of our quirkiness you've gotten to see. So, um, yeah, well, we're just so glad to have you. You've spent the summer at camp, and um, yeah, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Tell us who you are. Okay, sure. In, you know, five words or less. Right. Okay. <laughs> Not really. I'm Lisa Penner, and yeah, this summer I was at CBC as the kitchen manager, and got to see the, like, small details of the ingredients come together with the help of my team and then we were able to bless the staff with meals you fed a lot of people yeah and there was like 70 um 60 to 70 people that we were serving on a daily basis yeah that's oh. that's incredible and my daughter was a counselor at camp this summer and she said the food was amazing so there you go <laughs> thank you yeah it's a it's Definitely a lot of fun. Yeah. That's that's really great. And so you've grown up here in the area, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, just like seven minutes from camp. So it's just like a half-hour bike ride, seven-minute drive. Nice. And you've got two brothers, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Two older brothers. Two older so brothers. I'm the youngest. Okay. They say sometimes I, they say I'm the spoiled one. <laughs> the only daughter and the youngest. So. Just claim yeah. that. Yeah, claim just be that. like, fine, that's fine, sure. Yeah. I definitely have taken ownership of it now. <laughs> Good. Good. Well, we're looking forward to getting to know you better. Um, we're talking about faithfulness in this uh, series of podcasts. And so, um, Elisa, as, as you think about role models, do you think role models are important? And if so, how have they played a a part in your life and if you could tell us about someone who's who's been a role model to you mm-hmm. 
Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, role models are important. Um, definitely has been a huge uh, reason or like has played a part in who I am today and like being molded and formed and it's just like been the process of being able to look and see someone modeling the life of Jesus and for them to sacrifice or like take their time to check in on me and invest and ask really good questions that make me stop and to really think and reflect mm. and I've really appreciated that. Do you have key people that come to key mind people. when you think of role models? Um, Terry Roog okay. is definitely someone who's been a really good person to ask challenging questions and has been walking through life with me for like the last like four or five years pretty much as long as I've been at CBC. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that you're mentioning a, a male person because you, you always, um, it's not the first thing that you think of. You always think you're going to say someone who's not. So it's, it's really important, I think, to acknowledge that it can be male or female. Right, that, yeah. That can be really powerful. Yeah, true. I think the cool thing of that is is has been kind of like a a father role model as well and um like in a like with my spiritual journey has been like a big impact and then yeah that it's just cool with the many different layers or avenues because then it transfers into like my work because he is my boss right um but then yeah, like there's that spiritual direction piece as well. And then just life advice. and mm -hmm. Nice. That's lovely. Yeah. Well, we all know that it's really easy to think about the negative things. Like so the areas where we feel that we're not being as faithful as God uh, would have us be. But um, there are also examples in our life where we are being faithful. So let's highlight those. Where do you feel that you are being um, faithful in your current season of life? Hmm. Hmm. Uh, it's kind of funny because um, when I was like preparing or like thinking through some of these questions, it's like a week and a half ago. And so um, it was like the Tuesday after the long weekend. Um, so like a little bit of context or a timeline um, was I finished up the very last day of youth camp for the summer um, and then went straight into a weekend of being at a cottage up north and it was um, yeah like just had that time to like bring closure to the end of the season and just like relax and have fun um, after like a stressful long season and then I came back from the weekend and had this time to just like stop and be like okay now what is this season gonna be mm -hmm. and being recharged and full of faith of like or being hopeful um because now I've been in a transitional period of trying to figure out what's next um like trying to find a job and figuring out where I'm going to be living 
and essentially like setting up my life for like a place to be preparing for the future and um big things big things <laughs> really Those big are really big things <laughs> yeah yeah. And ha- hard to, yeah, process through and make those decisions. Yeah. So I'm hearing you say that you're recognizing God's faithfulness throughout that or that you're exercising faith to that he will provide those ways. Well, it's been like a testing of my faith, I would mm. say, because okay. like kind of at the beginning of it, I was like really hopeful. I'm like, yeah, I got this like faith thing figured out. Like, <laughs> yeah. I... I'm trusting and believing that he's going to provide, like, the steps and... Because, like, the big thing for me and part of my story has been having periods of my life with all of a sudden nothing to do and nothing to, like... And then the fear of, like, not knowing how to fill my day and, like, feeling paralyzed. Like, the first thing I do when I wake up of, like, what am I going to do in my day where I have the weight of... I want it to be purposeful and meaningful, but then, like, feeling overwhelmed with, like, but I don't even know how to, like, get up and out of bed, and so, I know, like, kind of, like, a little bit of the trauma of that kind of reoccurs every time I'm in that season again, Um, but, like, this time I'm, like, I am gonna fight, and I'm not gonna, like, be overcome by this, Mm -hmm. Um, so it's been a little bit of a roller coaster in, like, the last week and a bit of like when you go from busy like basically three months of really intense busy at camp Mm -hmm. and you're working really hard and people are relying on you to be fed you know and and all the things that go with that and then all of a sudden to be done that's that's hard that's hard on anybody and and also I know my own daughter experiences this too with the you know spiritual high of camp and then you know coming down into like the rest of life the real world it's it's not an easy transition no yeah mm-hmm. so that yeah that is hard and that, that kind of leads into the next question when do you find it most difficult to remain faithful mm. do you, would you say now is yeah like now is definitely challenging um because it's like deferred like the the promise or the hope of like what to be expecting like my expectancy would be that God will provide a job that's right for this time and um when I'm like not seeing that like coming about like on my own timing of like Mm -hmm. well I'd expect like maybe a week to start hearing back from places or um, or be able to, like, be really confident in, like, the plan of, like, what next step to take. Um, so when that doesn't, like, when that isn't playing out in that way, then it definitely is, like, wait, hold up, where am I actually putting my trust? Mm. And I've really, like, seen myself, um, starting to, like, work on my own strength of, like, I'm just going to be, like, chaotically applying to as many places as I possibly can through, like, Indeed, where it's, like, it's I'm hardly putting any thought, and it's just, mm-hmm. like, I'm not being prayerful in each of these decisions that I'm, like, applying to, and I'm leaving God out of it, and I, like, 
again, like, God can still work in that way and through those things, but it's forgetting or neglecting my relationship with mm-hmm. the It's recognizing that tension, right? Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, knowing God will provide, but you still have to put work to something. Like, it's not like you just sit and do nothing. God is calling you to to probably put out those resumes and whatever, but doing it in a prayerful way as opposed to just doing it. Mm-hmm. Right. Or even, like, zooming out and, um, like, is the most important thing that I get a job or is the more important thing that I'm learning how to, like, trust and slow mm-hmm. down in this season? Because it is a really beautiful season to have, like, an open slate and, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah just this gap time to truly like rest and reflect from what just has been happening and Mm -hmm. I think it's really neat because you do see that like time and time again in the bible like the Israelites after God comes through for them or like provides for them they have like their doxology or like they Mm -hmm. Well, the Sabbath in itself, right, is is a perfect example of that. Yeah, that's 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 a beautiful way to look at waiting seasons because waiting seasons are hard, and they're it's hard to be faithful in waiting seasons. But if you look at it as a gift from God to to kind of slow and rest and reflect, then that changes everything. So I think that's really beautiful. It's so beautiful, and it's it's so hard too in our culture, and I think our human nature. You know, we want to know what we're doing. And that's that's even how we frame questions to each other. What are you doing? What's what's going on in your life right now? Like, it's all about what you're doing. And you're saying, no, I need to pause. And I think that's really important. That's good. Mm-hmm. Okay, so can you, um, as we're talking about faithfulness, and, and obviously that it's important in difficult seasons, do you have someone in your life that you think of as a picture of steadfast endurance in the midst of trials? Like, who comes to mind when you think about that? I say my mom is mm. definitely a representation of steadfast faithfulness. Um, just seeing her with, like, her life and the journey, like, yeah, her story of where she was at from like a girl to like her adolescence and then her young adults and then like getting married and having a family and just how like yeah none of it is what she would have expected or um would have seen coming and just like how she's continued to just stay faithful Mm. and love her family and like even when like things are like tough or we're not appreciative of the things she does for us she continues to like make sure that we're like fed well she'll always make like a a phenomenal meal every night and make sure that like at the end of the day we as a family come together I love that. I hope mm-hmm. our children rise up and <laughs> yeah. say the same things about us. That is beautiful. Um, when you think about the character of God, can you tell us about a time when you found God to be faithful to you? 
Mm. Um, and like he's done it through just like a silent, steadfast, like just like a quiet whisper that's kind of constant. But yeah, and I wanted to just like start university and like leave all my worries behind, and I was like, like falling into the lie or like the belief that like if I could like get a new start then university would be that like I know I have some deep-rooted areas that Jesus is asking me to invite him into but like I didn't want to go there so I was like no and then as soon as I could I like pulled as many things into my life that could that would make that made me busy um and then I got the job got a job and I had a car and so I could like drive and be away from home and like I lived that I had that freedom yeah and I like took that and was just like on this like frantic kind of way of living life to be busy to ignore the things that needed to be addressed and I lived that way and like until like January, February and then COVID hit and all those things were like robbed or like taken away and there were things that I was really like starting to like the things that I had busied my life with weren't necessarily like fruit giving or I didn't actually feel like energized because they were things that I was pulling into my own life versus things that God were placing in my life. Um, but then I was starting to be hopeful with the summer of, um, camp again, camp again. Yep. Yep. Um, but then yeah, COVID came and took those things away. And then all of a sudden I was left with nothing to like go out and be busy and distracted with. And I had to sit and it took me multiple, like, like I didn't like right away be like, okay, now I'm ready. Like, this is a great gift from God. Now I can address these things. I was like, heck no, I'm going <laughs> to. But yet you're saying you or... heard him. Like it was, there, there, yeah. he, his presence didn't go away, even though you were maybe choosing to ig- not ignore, but not, not invest in the ways he was guiding you to. He, he still didn't go away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I had slipped then, um, a little bit back more into depression where like I just like lie in my bed for days and just like I like watched this one show on repeat and it was just Mm. like this is my comfort place and like completely escape and just like numb out and yeah as I just like lie in my bed there was still like this silent steady whisper of like I'm still here I am faithfully loving you and I see you. Nice. Yeah, having that steadfast voice and love of the Spirit brought me to be able to like open the Bible and it was Jeremiah where he's like, I am faithful and my steadfast love for you endures forever. Mm. I feel like, no, Jesus has made it possible for us to have a new life. And to accept and believe that and then live like we are a new creation. 
It reminds me, what you're saying reminds me of the verse in John 10, 10, where it says, you know, the thief has come to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come, Jesus said, to give you life and life abundantly. Mm. And you're right. We have to choose that. You know, we have to make a conscious choice to choose to live in that abundant life. Well, and I love that you're sharing with us about your journey. This is, none of us have everything all tied up neatly in a bow. And, and you're talking about it as, as it happens and as you're working through it. And I think all of us need to hear that because it's so easy to think, oh, they've got it all figured out. No, that's, we don't have anything fully figured out this side of heaven, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's very much about the middle of the journey, right? Being faithful in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us, Lisa. Um, we like to end every podcast with a few rapid fire questions about your favorite things. So, uh, would you tell us what's your favorite food? Uh, well, I'm just thinking of like the most previous thing that I made, which is like chicken alfredo. So just like creamy comfort. Mm, yeah, that's stuff. good. That's um, good. Have you done lots of cooking since you finished for the summer? Not a ton, no. It must be kind of weird to just stop all of a sudden. Yeah, like, it is different. Like, <laughs> I don't know, because it kind of feels like, I don't know, but every time I come back to it, I am reminded of like how much I love it. And like, what's your favorite way to relax? What do you do for fun? Uh, what I do for fun? I love being outside. So, mm-hmm. I'm, like the best way is just like out in nature. Yeah. Nice. Favorite app on your phone? Oh. Um, <laughs> photos. <laughs> oh yeah, me I too. I love looking back at photos and yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Lisa, for joining us. We've really enjoyed this conversation with you. It's been great to get to know you better. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you too. So as we have said in this series we are talking about faithfulness and God's faithfulness to us and and the example we can see from the faithfulness of those who have gone before us and in art people are influenced artists are influenced all the time by other artists and so I thought what I would do for the next two episodes is show first a, a an art piece from an artist from like the 1600s and then how his art was influenced by a more current he influenced I'm saying that incorrectly he influenced a more current modern day artist so the art piece I'm showing you today is by Peter Bruegel I have shown Bruegel's artwork twice before on the podcast and so you are getting the idea that I really like him and I do and so that's my prerogative I get to show him more than once so here's this I am not going to tell you the name of this piece yet I have shown this piece to some before but have a look Shannon and describe it for me if you would so it's a wintry kind of village setting and there's lots of people around everywhere outside their homes they're you know digging through the snow riding horses Um, it's just a very 
busy scene. Very busy, right? Lots and lots of things going on. And one of the things about art that I think one of the big reasons why one of them, one of many, why we want to emphasize art is because art forces you to slow down. If you're going to actually take it in, you need to slow down, you need to focus, you need to fully attend. And this painting is a great example of that because there is so much going on that it takes some time to look at it. I actually have this painting up in my house. This is how much I love this painting. Okay. So if I were to tell you the name of this painting, Shannon, it is called Census at Bethlehem. Oh, okay. <laughs> so have a bigger, deeper look. Now you're going to be looking for someone, I think. Yes, I'm going to be looking for Mary and Joseph. And can you find them? It's not maybe the... Uh, it's always difficult, you can imagine, looking at a screen compared to the actual... It's kind thing. of like Where's Waldo. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of like Where's Waldo. I, it reminds me of that for sure. I'm not sure I can find them quickly. And I think that is, again, the point. Um, because it, it, Mary and Joseph don't stand out. Because this is everyday life. And people are not noticing what's going on in their midst. We have Christ in our midst. Okay, she's found him. She's pointing at him. Is is Are they front and center? Well, no, not really. They not kind of really. blend in. They, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, and and this is not what it would have looked like in Bethlehem itself. This is actually what Bruegel did was he imagined what it might have looked like for uh, Mary and Joseph to appear in a town that he was familiar with. What that might have looked like and and you can see no one's really noticing. And and so I mean, we are a little ways from Christmas yet, but it is no there, there's no um too early time to, to contemplate the, the birth of our Savior. And so have a look at this painting and just spend some time looking at it today. We've come to our teaching time in the podcast, and we are focusing again on faithfulness in the scriptures. So in our last episode, we talked about what faithfulness is, and we defined it as a quality the Holy Spirit works in us as we abide in Christ. Faithfulness is really about being reliable and steadfast and unwavering, and it's proven over time. So in our teaching time today, we're going to look at several verses about faithfulness from the Bible. And what I'm going to do is I'm just simply going to read these verses. And I want you to allow the truths of these passages just to to wash over you and, and to kind of stir up a desire within you and challenge you to increased faithfulness. So um, I'm not going to comment on them much, just, just going to kind of read the verses and, and just, just listen to what God's Word has to say about faithfulness. Galatians 5, 22-23 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Proverbs 3, 3-4 Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. 
so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Luke 12:42-44. And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. Luke 16, 10-12 One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Psalm thirty-one twenty-three, Love the Lord, all you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays, repays the one who acts in pride. Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commands that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Revelation 2.10 do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Proverbs 28.20 20. A faithful man and woman will abound with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. 2 Timothy 2.13 if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And I just love that last verse because as I'm, you know, as these scriptures are calling you to greater faithfulness, we all know that we can't do it perfectly. We can't be perfectly faithful. And so in those moments, in those times when we are faithless, it's so important to know that God remains faithful. His faithfulness to you will not change. And I just love that. Thank you, Shannon. You know, I'm struck afresh by what one of our main purposes. I keep saying main purposes today. We have lots of purposes when it comes to doing this podcast. But a big one is to speak truth. Not our truth, but God's truth. And, and you've just shared some verses there. And the nature of a podcast means that you can pause and go back and listen. You can just sit on one of those passages and and um, take that in. We will put those passages in the show notes for you, or you can just you know rewind a little bit and and write it down yourself. And we just really really encourage you to pause, take some time to pause today to sit in one of those truths because we are inundated everywhere with things to distract us and they may not be wrong they may not even be bad but they are distracting and they are keeping us from truth and so we're going to close today with a big thank you as well to lisa penner for joining us and i'm going to uh, repeat this apostles creed which again is full of truth and you know there's so much that we have in our brains that um, gets stuck there and is not truth because of a nice little jingle or however it gets there. So I just encourage you again to um, take in this truth. Here is the Apostles' Creed. 
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Mosaic Podcast, a podcast for the women of Wallenstein Bible Chapel, where we meet one another in story, in art, and in Christ. You can subscribe by going on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or Google Podcast so that you will be notified when the next show drops. Also, please be sure to check out our show notes for more details and join in the conversation on either Facebook at mosaic.podcast.wbc or on Instagram at mosaic.podcast. We pray that you will be inspired and encouraged as you travel your own personal journey from brokenness to beauty. 